Sorry, I was just getting over the fact that somebody videoed me running down the beach with my surfboard. It was, you know, it's just too much of a shot, really, but there you go. I have been in the sea this week, so don't mock, all right? <laughs> well, it's good to see you, and uh, thanks for being here to talk about... Uh, you got wise last week, didn't you, uh, with Proverbs. You, you know what wisdom is now. You know what wisdom's all about. It's about knowing God's mind and what God wants to do with your mind and change your habits and your way of living. And so it's a very applicable idea, this, this Proverbs thing. Uh, and in some ways, uh, when you preach on Proverbs, you kind of say, well, just read it and go home and do it. You know, don't associate with fools. Well, that sounds like a pretty good idea to me, so just, just not do it. But perhaps we can get a little bit more. When you realize that the Bible is engaging with all kinds of issues that relate to our everyday lives, it's actually talking about family, husbands, wives, children, how we speak to one another, how we look after money and resources that God has blessed, and, and friendship. The Bible is actually engaging with the idea of friendship and what it means, how we relate to one another. And we realize that living for God today is an everyday thing which God is concerned about. So there, there isn't this kind of, the old way of saying, belief and, 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 and what you do and behavior are different. Uh, Proverbs merges belief and behavior. It says, if you believe in, in this God, the God who gives you wisdom, then it will affect the way you behave. You can't divorce it and say, I can believe. And you, you get some Christians who live like this, that, you know, they say, I believe this, but how I live is not God's concern. Well, Proverbs doesn't give you that freedom. Everything must be filtered by the quality of wisdom. One simple example with money. Is it wise to spend money like I am doing? Um, is it wise to treat my wife and husband in that way? Is it wise to cultivate a deepening friendship with that person? All of that is filtered, as it were, through the eye of God's wisdom. Is that wise? Is God saying to you, that's a good thing to do? Wisdom in these decisions will affect our walk with God. Again, a simple example. The way you spend money may affect the way you give to God's work. So the two are connected. Wisdom and behavior. So Proverbs has something to say to us about friendship because we are designed to be in relationships. Look at us. What were we doing before Sarah Jane started? We were all chatting. Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm all right. What are you doing? What have you been up to this week? Etc. 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 We're built to be that way. We relate to one another, and and it starts, if you like, goes right back to creation, doesn't it? Where where God says it's not good for a man to be alone. Genesis two eighteen. So the aloneness of creation is is dealt with by God, who Himself is in a relationship called the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So there's a relationship there in, in the very Godhead before you get any creation. You, you've got that there already in place. And there are numerous others, aren't there? Friendships like David and Jonathan, the most famous probably in the Old Testament. And that had to survive the rantings of a, a paranoid king and father, a guy who chucks spears at you, you know, this sort of stuff. But that friendship survived. It was a very deep friendship. And it, if you read the story, you can read it in Samuel, you can see there the sort of thing that happened. But still they stayed friends. In the New Testament, we've also got close friendships. I mean, I cannot believe that 
12 guys who go around Israel for three, three years that don't get to know each other quite well. It's inconceivable, isn't it? Those disciples weren't good mates. And, and I bet you've never read this chapter, but if you have, uh, forgive me, you can tell me afterwards. Romans 16, after the mighty weight of Romans theology, boom, 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 Paul gives you both barrels, boom, boom. What's, last, what's the last chapter of Romans? It's a list of people. Oh, Greek, Greek Fred, my mate in Athens. Greek Jim in Corinth. He's a good lad. The names I've changed to keep it up to date, okay? Um, but, but, you know, that's, that's the kind of idea. Oh, there's, there's a fellow, I, oh, he did a good turn for me, that bloke in Ephesus. Yeah, he was really kind. You can see he's got friends all around the Mediterranean. And they mean something to him. So Paul, uh, what he believed profoundly mattered to him. You re, you've only got to read the early part of Romans to see that. Um, but certainly he had friends in every port pretty well. Now, what does this say to us? Well, that passage in Proverbs, did you notice it? It's really strange. When I read this, I thought, how am I going to explain this? It's really quite... Six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable. You say, did he get it wrong first time? Six things the Lord hates, but seven are detestable. It's the way some of the ancients wrote. It's, it's an idiom. It's a way of writing. And it's like this, you know, when you, um, we've been at sea this week, not literally at sea, but by the sea this week, and, and you look out to sea and you say, oh, look, there are six ships there. Oh, no, there's another one, seven. And it's that kind of thing. And what the writer is saying, well, there are six things the Lord finds detestable, but ah, let's make it complete. There's a connection here with creation, isn't there, with a sevenness. He's actually saying this is something which is complete. This is what God hates. And we'll look at that first, because that's the first text we've got. These are the things to avoid in forming deep relationships. I'll give you a bit of haughty eyes. All right? I'm better than you lot. I'm proud. You lot rubbish. Haughty eyes. Don't do it in friendships. It's rubbish. Nobody's better than another human being. Find that in the Bible, and I'll, I'll agree with you. But we're all made in the image of God. We're all children of God. So don't get haughty. Don't get uppity, if you want a modern word for it. Haughty eyes, forget it. We don't do that. Lying tongue can't be trusted. Pride and untruths are to be avoided, the writer says. These are the things. Pride. Pride does a lot of damage, doesn't it? Pride does a huge amount of damage. I am proud because of what I have achieved. Now, you may not say it, but, but in your heart, it's there. I always remember one of my uh, grandchildren um, brought home an absolutely cracking school report. It was a belter, you know, you had A stars everywhere, and you're brilliant at this, you're brilliant at that, you know, and uh, he was just sat there. And, and Joe, my daughter-in-law, just, just sort of said to him something like this, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something like, Ben, just remember that those are gifts that God gave you. So don't get proud. Don't get proud. It does great damage to friendships. In our friendships, we need humble hearts, not doormats. People whose word can be trusted. So we can look a friend in the eye and know they're speaking truth. And friends that do that will grow as friends. 
And that's what that bit is saying. We avoid, it says, violent people in our friendships. We're still in that passage in Proverbs 6. Now, that's not just physical. That's very much the idea of bullying. You ever been in a bullying friendship? Someone who's going to dominate you? And they bully you. That's not a friendship. That's an abusive relationship. So we don't go there. We don't go to places where there's violence, whether it be physical, mental, or verbal. Schemers who lead us into wicked areas is the next thing he, he talks about. And people who stir up controversy, stirrers. Some people are proud of being stirrers. You know, people like that? You get them occasionally in churches. Very occasionally, I have to say. But you do get them, don't you? Oh, I love a bit of stir. Let's stir up a PCC tonight, eh? Nonsense. Nonsense. It's terrible. And, and what the Lord is saying here in this, in this chapter is these are the things that we don't have. All these behavioral characteristics are not going to grow your wisdom. So cut them out. That is your ability to make God-based decisions in the formation of friendships. We want to reflect God in our relationships. Relationships are not something separate from God. They're something that God anoints, blesses, and blesses the rest of us with. So in the formation of deep friendships, such people are to be avoided, but they are God's children. So what do we do with them? So if there's someone here, you're thinking, oh, well, he's a right stirrer, he is, or he's a, a right proud individual. Do we ignore them? Well, I think what the book is saying here is, no, don't ignore them. Do pray for them. Try to show them better ways. Try and change their behavior. But don't go too deep until you're sure. Cultivate a friendship with someone who you can trust. What they say, what they do, the fact that they're not bullying you, that there's an equality in the relationship and a, a, a friendship and a love there, which is, which is precious. We're not isolationists, but we're people who are wise about deep relationships, and these are things to avoid. Now, now this raises the difficulty for me. What happens if there's someone in your workplace who's just like that? What do you do with them? You say, give me an office at the other end of the building or something, you know, to that person. They're, they're just dreadful to get on with. Well, no care about the deep things care about going deep with them don't get there too soon but do have a time where you think I'll, I'll perhaps just get alongside that guy I know he's an arrogant whatnot. I know he says and does things which are a pain but let's just try let's just try working bit by bit to show him the way of Christ that his behaviour might be modified now the next verse is so obvious, it's hardly worth mentioning, I don't think, but there we go. Who do we walk with? Who is part of our daily life? 1320 says we should walk with the wise. Now, if we spend time with someone, they influence our thinking and behavior, don't they? You know, I can, I can think of people that I spent time with, and they, they do. They change the way you are. Don't kid yourself that you can be immune from everything a person says. If you hang out with them on a regular basis... Now, a fool here is described as someone who is non-wise. A fool in, in terms of scripture is that. It's someone who's not taking on board the wisdom of God. So you won't hear wisdom from a fool because it's a contradiction. And there's only ideas there that will lead you to wrong. And there's something else here. The more time you spend with a wise person, 
it will help you to discern a fool. You'll end up saying things like, that's not right. Well, that person's just said to me, no, that's not right. That's not in the Bible, surely. We don't do that, do we? And the more we spend, if we walk with the wise, 13.20 says, that we, we pick up the habits of wisdom. We get to know what wisdom is. We, we get to know how we live, how we work, how we shape relationships, how we do everything. And again, this is not about isolating yourself. It's about discerning what's good and right and of no... And that's a lifelong battle, isn't it? Unless you've sussed it. Some, some of you out there... Uh, I didn't see anybody nod like that, which I'm greatly relieved about because, you know, it's, it's still going on. You, you're battling with making wise decisions. You're faced with issues. And if you walk with the wise, it'll help you to make wise decisions. The more you get with wise, the wiser you get. And so God is saying, form relationships, develop contacts, develop ideas together with people who are wise so that you yourself will grow more wise if that's the right way of saying it and again it's not about isolating yourselves but it's about discerning what is good and right and of noble noble report and spending time in the company of wise people helps you avoid foolishness uh, and we all need to see this as a, as I say, I'm going to say this again, a lifelong quest, a lifelong battle, a lifelong desire to pick up the mind of God and to live it out day by day. You will make endless goofs. You will make mistakes. You will make unwise decisions. You will think, why did I do that? What an idiot. Why? Well, understand here that, of course, God is gracious, forgiving, and he's in the business of putting you straight again. So it's okay. You will make those things, and you will get it wrong. But you always want to come back to thinking, what would a wise person do here? That's the theme of the whole book of Proverbs. I want to do what God's mind says I don't want to do anything else. Now, when you get to the next text, 1717, uh, this is a really positive statement. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born in times of adversity. This reminds us that if friendships are superficial, people run a mile when you hit trouble, don't they? They're out the door, gone. It's a reminder what true love it is. It's not saying you're wonderful all the time. Now, I'm guilty probably of not saying that enough to many of you. So after the service, I'm going to go around as many people as I can. I'm going to say, you're wonderful. And one or two people will think I've gone completely crazy, but I I might try it just for a laugh, you know. Um, It's not about saying you're wonderful all the time. It's about being there when you've hit rock bottom. And in such places, friendships grow and they deepen. Sure, we can think of times in our lives when friends have come alongside us and just been there for us and assured us that they were there with us for a long haul. I I lost a dear friend a couple of years ago. And I used to say about Peter that he's the guy I would want beside me in the trenches. If ever I was in the trenches, I'd want Pete right there beside me. He was just that kind of guy. 
Uh, and why was he that kind of guy? Well, he loved the Lord. That's a good start. He was passionate about reaching lost people. He never shut up about it. He worked for OM for years, and he went everywhere. And it was always a passion to see lost people come to Christ. He also knows some terrible jokes. He knew how to laugh and be absolutely silly. And I won't cite examples, but if you push me afterwards, I'll tell you. He just was a good guy to be there with. And we had so many laughs together. We went through battles together. When you lead a big event like the Keswick Convention, you get battles, believe you me. And Pete was right there. And I knew I could trust that man. And he became a deep and wonderful friend. And I miss him still today. And a wise friend puts your needs above their own, just like Pete did for me many times. And you could say that what is described here is almost like another arm of the family. A wise friend does not replace family, but it's very much something there, isn't it, which is almost as close as a family. Certain times a good friend can say things that a family member can't. And to have that deep friend beside you is something very special. So make sure, if you can, to, to work on that, to have someone that you love dearly. As I said, it's not just about lovey-dovey words. It's about actions. It's about being there in the trenches with you. When we get to verse 18, 24. There's a contrast here between unreliable friends, in the plural, and the friend, singular. This is the verse you'll probably know better than any other. Sticks to you closer than a brother. Um, If you go back to the the first verse of that chapter, uh, 18.1, it says, an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and starts quarrels. Now this, again, connects back to, uh, to what we've done. A friend sticks closer than a brother. Now, what could be closer than a, a sibling? But a true friend is, is, is sticky, dead sticky. They, they don't go anywhere. They stick with you. And maybe we need to look at that for ourselves. Maybe we haven't got that at the moment, and we'll come to that later in a minute. But it's something that perhaps we, we need to pray over and say, I would, I would love someone who, who would stick closer than a brother or a sister. And they're precious. And when we get, if you think this is getting too lovey-dovey, then you get to the last verse in our series, 27, 5 and 6, where it says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. And we may say that hidden love isn't worth having. If you love someone, then show it. But maybe... The author is saying something quite profound here. He's saying, sometimes we hold back the I love you and care about you stuff because I need to tell you something which you ain't going to like. And that's another aspect of friendship. I don't like that if someone does it to me. But a good friend will do that not aggressively, not critically, but carefully, prayerfully, and gently. Not from any position of superiority or from their own moral high ground. No room for talking at someone. But there may be something that needs to be said. And because you love, you need to help 
that person be disciplined because discipline is the same word as disciple. And sometimes you need to hear it. I do. So don't be afraid. Hidden love, yeah, maybe hide the I love you, you're great, you're gorgeous bit because something needs to be said. An enemy multiplies kisses. It's a bit like someone saying, I love you, 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 multiplies kisses. When what needs to be said is something tougher and harder. It's tough love, isn't it? But good friendships, good relationships have that. At this point, as we come to the end of this, the verses we've looked at, there are many others that you could find in Proverbs which deal with this issue, but at this point we might be saying, well, I wish I did have a friend who was closer than a brother. Maybe some things, just a few thoughts on practical aspects of this. Maybe the first thing we need to look at is vulnerability. Are we prepared to open up? Do we want to get that close to people? Or have we built a kind of force field around ourselves, the impregnability of me? I don't want anybody to get in there because I built my fortress. Well, that will not be an easy person to build a friendship with. Does our staunch independence actually mitigate against forming deep, close, lasting, wise relationships? Secondly, you're known as a person who's always right. You're a non-negotiator. So nobody can get near you because you're always right. And some of us find it hard. Again, I would confess that I do to admit that we're wrong. So any tough love will be rejected. You'll say, you're getting at me. Deep friendship is impossible. Maybe you say, thirdly, you're just not that kind of person. You know, I don't, I don't do friendships. I, I'm, I'm treading my own path. And yet, I would, almost <clears throat> I would almost guarantee that someone who's like that, at some point in their lives, has moments saying, I wish I had a close friend. I'm not that kind of person. Well, if you're made in the image of God, you are. The Bible defines you as such. Fourthly, where do I find a friend? Maybe right here, by putting yourself into this arena more fully. Uh, so maybe you want to try coffee afterwards, whereas you walk out the door. Maybe you want to try Oasis. Maybe you want to join Sages. How about that? What a great idea. We've got our wonderful event coming Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. Bags of opportunity for fellowship, friendship, laughter, joy, and getting wet at Wisley. You know, what more do you want in a, in a holiday at home? It's going to be great. But if you keep yourself to yourself, you're depriving somebody of a friendship. You're depriving people. So deep friendships grow churches. Did you know that? Deep friendships grow churches. You may not think so, but as people go deeper into God with each other, then the depth of the church increases. And we as a community of God's people go deeper. Well, there you have it. One last thing to share with you. Um, I wonder if you've got any idea how many times the Bible uses the phrase one another. 
Well, there's a little leaflet that Wendy's holding at the back there. She's going to wave it for me now. Right now, there it is. It's the back there. Uh, I've, I've put a few of those. I've copied them. There's, there's 39. That's as far as I got to when I first did this leaflet. It's not originally for you, I have to tell you, be honest. Um, but I thought it might be good just to offer that to you. It says we ought to love one another. We ought to care for one another. We ought to look at one another. We ought to... And so on. So one another, I got 39 on that sheet. But I don't pretend it's exhausted by any means. Because the one another of God's house is important. We are not just a bunch of people like a club. John Stott wonderfully described fellowship, didn't he, as being together in Christ. We ain't just a club. We're a fellowship. We're a koinonia. We are a gathering of God's people. And the Bible defines koinonia, fellowship, as something that we, as God's people, reflecting the wisdom of God into each of our lives, then share that with each other so the wisdom kind of comes down and then permeates. And we end up being a community that acts wisely together. We do wise things together. We say wise things to each other. And we begin to get deeper into God because we are a fellowship. Now, I cannot emphasize to you, the church, was it Bill Hybels, wasn't it? Willow Creek defined the church as the hope of the world. And why did he do that? He did it because we, he believed, and so do I, that what we do here together is infectious. I don't mean COVID-like, I mean infectious. We catch fellowship. We get it together. Now, you can choose right now to say, get me out of here. What that guy up front's talking about, I don't want to know. Give me that little tunnel that connects my seat to my front door, and I will immediately run through it at the first opportunity. Home you go, been to church, kept God happy, boom, boom. No. No. We are people together in Christ. And that's powerful. And it's more powerful the deeper we go in relationship. And the way that affects our world, which God knows is crying out for reality and relationship at the moment, isn't it? And we can offer it. We've got it. So you're going to stick with your tunnel? Get me home as soon as I can. Get that kettle on. Get me out of here. Or you can say, there might be a brother or sister in Christ that I could meet with right now and spend some time with and encourage them and build them up and help them to grow more like Christ. I, I could do that for five minutes, could, couldn't I? Coffee's not bad, it's all right. So let's get out there today. So if I see anybody walking out of the door, they're going to, no, no, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> you're the man, you're the man. Yeah, I won't do it, don't worry. Um, it's just a thought. It's just a because I think it's precious. I think it's wonderful to be with God's people. And how powerful, more powerful, even more powerful we could be if we truly understood this wonderful idea of being together in Christ. Let me pray and then we'll move on.
Father, we, these are sensitive areas. They're difficult areas sometimes for some of us. So we just ask for your hand right now just to guide us in our know, thinking is what we should do. Is there some call moment I could have where, with someone to develop a relationship more deeply? Is, is there something I need to do rather than wait for them to do? Is there something I could do to make myself an easier person to be friendly with? Is there something I could do right now to put a friendship right which went pear-shaped? Is there something I just need to say and understand that God is perhaps giving us his wisdom this morning that we might be better friends to one another? People who genuinely do stick closer than a brother. And if we're going through trials, I pray that each of us may know that wonderful depth of friendship that can be on offer to us so that we can know the support and love of a brother or sister in Christ at this time. Speak to us, we pray. Whatever your spirit's been doing, continue to do, we pray, that we might understand this idea a little bit better. In Jesus' name.